and welcome everybody to the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. Join my father, Rabbi Avi Horowitz, and myself, Ayelet, as we discuss relevant and meaningful ideas and topics inspired by the weekly Torah portion. This podcast is not religiously exclusive. No matter what religion you practice, please feel free to join us as we glean timeless Torah wisdom to help us better navigate the world we live in today, or simply put, just to give us something to think about, because that's always really awesome. So let's get schmoozing. And we are on, back with another episode of the Father, the Daughter, and the Holy Podcast. We're super thrilled to be here once again. And um, (laughs) we're prepping up for Pesach. We've never been so prepared in our lives. (laughs) We're cleaning the house in advance. This is new. Um, And so we're also going to be preparing for Pesach with our podcast for today. We're going to be talking about belief and faith um, gearing up to Pesach. So let's get right into it. Yeah. So I think um, a major theme if not the most important theme of living Pesach, is the theme of our belief system. In the, let's just say, like, in the sequence of holidays that we have, Pesach is the first, so it's called the Chodesh HaRishon, on the first month. The first uh, month is a special month. Torah even makes a point of making sure that we recognize that the month of Nisan is the first month. Um, <clears throat> we, need, we need to recognize that it's the first month as a special month, the month of miracles. And it's the month of the birth of the Jewish people. Um, being that we went through Egypt and the Exodus. So that whole experience is something that we relive every Nisan, every month of Nisan, and the holiday of Pesach. And to me, I think one of the most important things we can be talking about now, especially in preparation for Pesach, also with the understanding that our our holidays are meant to reinvigorate us in certain basic areas of our lives. And I think the holiday of Pesach is there to restart us or, you know, to hit the reset button on and ask ourselves about our beliefs, what we believe in, and how deep do we believe what we believe. You know, we say we believe a lot of things, but I'm sure we all know that to the extent that we believe is the extent that we practice what we believe. If we really believe something, then that would change our lives. Mm-hmm. There's always a, a certain amount of, um, I could call it what you want, but there's a certain amount of like reticence to to really believe something. Because if you really believe, for example, that we were given, you know, that like the story of the Torah and the giving of the Torah is like really true, like you, it's like really fresh in your mind that it really and that you know the mitzvot are like this or that there will be a final redemption and that we were really slaves and we were really redeemed and uh, freed 
you know, if you have those things fresh in your mind as if they're like, a, it's a true reality. It's like, it's just as real as <clears throat> the things that you see here and now. Mm-hmm. You just live differently. You, you're clearly living differently, right? This is, right. We're, we're able to, to have lapses and forget things because we don't really believe like every day, you know, the, the, there's 13 beliefs that have been set down and, and enumerated and, and elucidated by Rambam, by Maimonides. And there's a lot of discussion about why those are such central beliefs and <clears throat> how it works that there's, there's these 13. But the way, not he, the Rambam, but the way someone took those 13 beliefs and put them in the, the prayer book and the Siddur was by saying, and then the belief. So the 13 beliefs are preceded by this formulation of I believe with perfect faith. No, complete faith. Complete faith when you say, I believe with complete faith, the reason why I have a hard time saying that is because I don't think I have complete faith about any of these things. Right. Maybe you'd like to, but complete faith is that you you are, you are act accordingly as if that faith was like 100% real to you. Mm-hmm. I'm thinking about this example just to, I just feel like it's cute and it brings really the more into... Uh, reality what we're talking about it's like someone who know someone who has to go cross to a village every day and there's this rickety bridge so he says like you know I, I yeah, the, the bridge is fine I believe that it's it could hold my weight it could hold it but some someone who who doesn't really believe can say I believe the the bridge holds my weight and then every day goes to the village through the stairs in the back of the mountain you know because you know the bridge might fall but I believe that it won't and then there's a the person who runs across the bridge because he believes, but not 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 shalema. It's not perfect because maybe if he stands there for too long, then it'll break. So like you gotta run across it. And then there's the person who has a muna shalema who you know walks across the bridge a couple times a day, every day, without even thinking about whether it's gonna fall down. Takes his time crossing it. It it what you're saying it creates different realities. The right. the level of belief that we have will express itself in the way that we act. Right. See the, the 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 pitfall of that type of message in this in this particular context is that when we think about that bridge the way you portrayed the bridge is that if a person believes in that that bridge you know and he's walking across it without thinking maybe it's just because he's just not thinking that's actually part of the challenge when it comes to belief a lot of times when we're in a, especially in modern man we are very reticent to believe things 100% because we're very jaded to the idea of believing and like selling your soul for an idea. Because you, we have this feeling that like man has been lied to so many times mm-hmm. and has been tricked and, and um, sold out so many times, you know, as we get kind of smarter, let's just say, and we have a better sense of history, and we and and we look at all of the failed beliefs and the failed ideas and the failed missions and the and you know the failed revolutions. Let's just say uh, where where people were 
were carried away by ideas and only to be, you know, very uh, disillusioned at the end, to say the least. Even the, even the idea of the final redemption, for example, has been something that the Jewish people have struggled with all the time. Um, I think we'll discuss that also, you know, the Jewish experience, because that's really what we're talking about when we talk about Pesach. But um, how do you believe that, we, you know, how do you believe really that things in the future are going to get better? Like, what are you supposed to do now? Because of your belief that in the future things are going to get better, but that's that's assuming that you believe that. I feel like someone could believe that things in the future will be better, and therefore feels no need to do anything now because in the future they're going to be better. I believe. I know. I don't need to do anything now because they're going. To, it's going to get better. I know that. Right. So there and then are, there's the people who think I know it's going to get better, but I also understand that that's going to depend on the way I do things right now. But I still think you could have two people that believe that and who act differently, not necessarily. Uh-huh. So you mean way. you have to prepare yourself? Well, I'm, I'm looking at this book here from the you know Lubavitch, uh, the Chabad movement has become like the the you know the the people who who seem to I don't know if it's fair to say it, but they, they seem to carry the idea of like the future redemption like in the most real way, so to speak, because they always talk about it. You know, they always. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Rebbe always talked about it. I see this whole book is about, you know, the idea of the, the future redemption and what you're supposed to do now, you know, in preparation for it, what kind of attitudes you're supposed to have now. It's not a simple question because the idea of the belief in God affects your your conduct, conduct and your behavior now on a regular basis. But the, the idea of the future something happening, you know, what is that going to do to us now? That that's also a little bit wrapped up in the experience of Pesach, but maybe we'll get to that later. Um, let, let's 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 start from maybe a good place where, you know, the the exodus from Egypt culminates in the receiving of the Torah. The, the Torah seems to want to link those two ideas. So even before the whole experience happens, Hashem tells Moshe that they're going to the Jewish people are going to. Um, come back to this place where they're going to receive the Torah, where they're going to serve God in this place, the place of uh, the first revelation that Moshe has, and that ultimately becomes the experience of the receiving of the Torah. Um, In order to cement that idea that they're actually one experience, and I think this is the crux of the issue here today, um, is God introduces himself to, to the, the people and to Moshe by saying, Anochi Hashem Elokecha, I am God. This is my calling card. I am Hashem. But he, he doesn't say, like, I am the God of everything um, and then leave it that way as some kind of a idea. He says, I am Hashem, the, the God of everything, which that's the name of the Tetragrammaton that he uses. Elokecha, but then it's personal. Your God which is personal, singular even. It's not even Elokechem, mm-hmm. plural. It's your personal God. And then it gets even more personal by saying, or actually national personal, Asher that took you out of the land of Egypt. One second, though. He's introducing himself that way after Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim. Right. Is, yeah, okay. 
So, so in other words, the, 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 the statement of belief, so to speak, um, to the Jewish people at, at uh, the Mount, Mount Sinai and Har Sinai is actually uh, looks very personal, right? And he, um, you know, brings our attention to the fact that he took us out of Mitzrayim. Now, there, there's this issue, if this is the statement of belief, the question then becomes, and this is just a way to open the issue, the question then becomes, is it possible to understand that this is a mitzvah, this is an obligation to believe? Right, the Rishonim, the, 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 the early commentators and the, from the time of the Gaonim are discussing this issue of whether or not that statement of Anochi Hashem Elokecha Mitzrayim is actually a statement of, of, of introduction or is it actually a, an imperative? But I'm, I'm a bit confused here because <clears throat> that's the first statement of, in the Luchos. That's the first commandment. Right, so so some if it's hold, a commandment... But some hold it's not a commandment. That's what I'm saying. And the reason why they hold it's not a commandment is a very good point. Because, they, because the, he says like this, the Bahag, he says, If you believe, then I don't need to command you to believe. And if you don't believe, how can I command you to believe something? Mm-hmm. Belief! Right now! Can you do that? Uh-huh. I hear. I hear the point. That's that's the real that's one of the the basic um, pro- issues that we need need to deal with. A belief. What is that? What is the the what, what's the the point of the question? The point of the question is belief is not an activity. It's not it's not a behavior. It's not a, it's not a it's not an action. It's something that's inside of you. It's a feeling that you need to cultivate. It's a thought. A thought feeling that you need to cultivate, right? You can think something, but it doesn't mean you believe it. Like, that's what we're saying. There's the idea of faith, perfect faith. There's different levels of faith. You can kind of believe something, which is kind of a way of, like, hedging your bets. Like, you 70% believe something, so, like, 70% of your activity is kind of directed in that direction. But, like, when you feel like, like you're saying the bridge is kind of tottering, you're going to be the first one off that bridge. Mm-hmm. You're not going to say, like, I have total faith that this, you know, bridge. Like I said, I don't particularly like the bridge thing because <laughs> because believing in the bridge might be stupid. <laughs> it might really be stupid, objectively speaking, because there's no bridge that lasts forever. Right. You know, so so whatever. But The only way to bring down, though, you can't really give a, an example, though, to... Right, so what are those things that we really... We're talking about, like, maybe like a relationship, but everything, and that's not finite and divine could okay. end well that's exactly murder. that that is that you just touched the point that i think we were, we're going to try to get to today we use the word relationship right you know we say relationships are forever um um what, what, what i guess the issue we're dealing with here is how can we go through this pesach and like really have a new way of uh, and a new strategy of like deepening our belief. Like, how do we reset? Like, how do we? Uh, how do how do we start again, every Pesach, and say, I, I really wanna 
be consequential with those things that I believe. And you're saying that that's the idea. Pesach is a renewal. Nisan is the is the new month, and Pesach is the renewal of a nation every year. And we're the the point of Pesach is for us to be able to delve in and reform and renew ourselves and our beliefs so that we can go ahead again almost as if we're a new nation now we relive the whole experience again right so the question being how can we really relive that experience so that we can leave off Pesach feeling like we did it we we are renewed we have this really incredible relationship with with God because we were just went through this really miraculous intimate relationship experience right, right. So I think you also said another word, which is also very key. Um, to where we're going, I, in, with a lot of insight, you know, in the Haggadah, we're told a um, we're told in a statement that probably we would have wished to actually have appeared in the Torah itself, but the way where we, you know, the prism that the, 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 the sages are teaching us through the Haggadah about what's really going on behind the scenes in this whole story of Egypt is, person has to see himself as obligated to see himself as if he left Egypt. Right? And there are, there's, you know, there are connotations of that in the, in the Psukim, but to bring it to the fore and to bring it to our consciousness is I think really, um, it's really the point of what we're trying to do and what we're trying to discover about our belief system and how we make it real. Um, again, just that statement alone, which parenthetically I would have liked if it would have appeared in the beginning of the Haggadah instead of like almost at the end where you're you know talking about leaving Mitzrayim, but it says, Lafikach. You know, it's kind of like all the way at the end. Mm-hmm. That's a separate question, like why it's there at the end. But let's assume that we know it, you know, and, and that's really what we're trying to do. Maybe we're just reinforcing it then. That we're trying to relive the, you know, this whole thing. Now, reliving this whole thing means making it fresh, making the belief fresh, questioning ourselves, do we really believe it? For starters, right? Is this something? Is this like a quaint thing that we're just doing? Or do we really really do we really believe it and if you really believe it like it's clearly going to change you you know you, you're not mm-hmm. going to be the same person anymore right um so what is it that holds us back from from that level of commitment i guess is what we're talking about you know through belief what what is it that holds us back um and i think this is i think we're really saying it we're really dancing around it and that is that there's no such thing as an armchair believer. I like that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. You know, like they use that word for like an armchair economist or, you know, people that are not in the day to day, people that are not involved, people that are philosophizing about stuff without any practical consequences to what they're philosophizing about. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, the, uh, this, the, the ivory tower academic who's you know pronouncing to the world the way things should be that's not the way it works in judaism that's the judaism model it does not have um the ivory tower academic you know scholar 
who is totally removed from any reality. It's the, pick any person in our history. The real leaders were always the people that had their hands, you know, in right. las manos en la masa. They had their hands in the dough. You know, David Amalek says, you know, he, he's a king, you know, but he's like, he's poskening Charlotte, he's got his hands dirty with this. You know, like he's, he's war, he's, 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 he's a man of the people. He's dealing with things, he's dealing with the issues and the problems, and he's struggling and suffering with the people and, and feeling, in, you know, uh, and uplifted and inspired with the people as well. You know, he's, he's a person of the people. Um, I think day in and day out, the reason the, the Torah has us doing things, because ultimately, when you get involved doing things, your belief becomes enhanced. Mm -hmm. Because it's not anymore an issue of like, what you just think in a vacuum. It's, it, it's, um, it's almost like Nasav and Ishma. It's almost like, you know, by accepting the Torah, we said, first we'll do it, and then we'll understand it. Now, a lot of people, this is like what that, famously in the Gemara, um, upon seeing a scholar, like, really, really, you know, uh, toiling, and, and, and his fingers, you know, dug in the ground, you know, concentrating, bleeding, tried to trying to understand something in the Torah, some... Um, heretic looks at him and says, "You know, you're such a stupid nation. You know, you, you you like you got involved in something. You committed yourself to something. You didn't even know what it was going to be. You know, not, whoever says uh, sight unseen that you just accept whatever it is. Nasev and Ishma, like, why you accept this whole Torah if you would have known how difficult it was going to be? Mm -hmm. You never would have accepted it. And I think that is the secret." of what people who are outside the system don't understand is that the only way to understand really truth is anything you need to get involved, you, to get involved. you know um, I think that's the secret of the Jewish experience as well and I think this is also what we celebrate in the Haggadah you know a lot of times we you know you know we also say you know every generation suffering and persecution and oppression and and I guess like a kind of melancholy like it's like a very down message but I think in the end I think what it's saying is that we were and are being selected to to be the ones that are able to believe through our own national and personal experience you're not going to be able to believe until you have like razón de causa as they say in Spanish like you're not mm -hmm. You, you have to be with the thing. There's no such thing as a belief that of a person who is with is from without. Unchallenged. Right. Like you used the word before relationship, right? Ultimately, it's all about a relationship, right? It's not, it's not I, believe, I believe in God as like, a, as like an abstract. There's mm -hmm. no such thing for human beings. Right. Since the beginning of time, there's no such thing. If a person says, you know, I, I love my wife um, theoretically. <laughs> in theory she's nice <laughs> yeah like you know I, I love the idea of her or I love this person I just love what they stand for you know I, I'm t completely that actually is where things get weird 
you know, like fan status. Mm-hmm. You know, when people um, admire people without knowing them, without getting involved in them, without have, having anything to do with their reality, that becomes what we call idol worship. It's funny just because you call them idols sometimes. Yeah. That's, that was a good... That's yeah. good. No, but that's what it is. It, in other words, it's idol worship because it's totally divorced from any reality. As ultimately the Torah says, idol worship is not just a waste of time, it's, it's such a diversion from the reality that it's like it's the most destructive thing in the world. Because you're going to spend your life thinking that you're doing these amazing things when you're actually going in, in a... In a totally, um, you're living a fantasy that's going in like, and always, always these types of beliefs become destructive, because essentially is destructive. You're just, you're just um, going to get more and more insistent that whatever it is that's not real is real, and when you try to make something that's not real real, you know, you're that always creates extremism and. This is where the violence of the world comes from, you know, where people are just, if they'd be willing to talk and see, you know, that what they're saying is not real. Like the whole world's looking now at Russia and saying, like, what's the matter with you people? Right? <laughs> what the, and, and, and on the contrary, I think it's interesting, like, a person that's willing to wage a war and kill people because they think, you know, Russia... Mother Russia. You know, they're not... He's not, he's not saying we're going to make this war because we feel mortally uh, threatened. You know, we're going to be threatened by the... Okay, so say that. But say like, you know, well, the Ukraine always belonged to Russia or it's being, it's being Nazified or some stupid thing like that. So it's a, it's a fantasy. It comes across as a fantasy. And, and when people believe their fantasies, they'll do anything to try to, uh, to justify it. Right. I mean, it's this is not really our issue today, but I think um, one of the issues, maybe if we have another chance to talk about it before Pesach starts, is that I think our belief system as Jews comes from the story of Egypt. And it's like I said, the birth of the nation. If you look in the story of the birth of the nation and you go through the narrative, these there are things that happen that are supposed to be like the fundamentals of the belief system of the Jewish people as well, through the experience. Can you bring that down a bit more? Because that sounds a bit vague. Well, all of the idea of what God is, for example, starting from God's you know, discourse with Moshe, the, the whole discussion of like what he's going to do and what he, how he's going to show and what his name is, all those things that Moshe needs to t- start teaching the Jewish people which of course doesn't work in the beginning because like we we're saying you don't just get a belief you have to mm-hmm. live it right but ultimately they're living the experience of what Moshe's been saying all along starts clicking to them all you know as they go through the process uh-huh. and that's why at the end you know they do the carbon pesach and they have to do it like this and like that to show that like ultimately this distant idea of like god it's like a real thing it's like a thing it's like he's talking to you it's like you're going to do something now you're going to take a sheep and you're going to do this because you're going to show that like God's a real thing. It's like a, it's like something I'm going to... It's like I, on this Monday morning, I wouldn't normally go get a sheep and sacrifice it. But I'm going to do that. You know, I have business to do. But I'm going to do that because I really am going to do an action that shows that he exists. Mm-hmm. And so they get their hands wet and their feet wet in this whole 
process of like bringing it down, bringing God's understanding into a real level into the world until they're ready to leave Egypt with all these beliefs that right. are real. Uh-huh. And that's what we try to do also. So, so what I'm saying is, what I'm saying is, um, some of my rabbis also developed this in, in books. You know, they try to like point out how exactly, you know, the 13 principles of the Rambam are actually, you can find them, you know, clearly within the experience, but it's not so much the point that I'm trying to make here. It's that it's just that belief starts out of experience. So when you're talking about relationships as well, right? It, 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 you, if you don't have what to ground you into in the world of morality and belief, then you're going to ultimately do what you want. You know what I'm saying? Your your own um, ego is going to, in the end, be stronger. So you might believe certain things, right? I don't. I hate to go back to this example. I don't know why I brought in Russia before, but like. Does Putin believe in God? Who knows? They say, you know, he has an appreciation for Jews and like he respects religion and he doesn't bother them. He's not he's not a communist leader. Typically, he was trying to shut down religion, right? Mm-hmm. But he has no way of making that real. So the first, what I was mentioning is that I, I think one of the ideas, even though it's not one of the officially one of the beliefs, of the 13 beliefs, because the 13 beliefs of Judaism are more advanced than this. But I think the first message that you read in the Sefer Shemos, the Sefer of the Redemption of, from Egypt, is the, is the sanctity, is the absolute sanctity of human life. I think that's what we're supposed to understand, that that's the, the, like the bedrock of, human, of, of, of Jewish uh, belief. Hmm. You have to, we need to believe... That 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 however you want to explain it, but that human life is is not negotiable. And that's why you know the story of like you know how they were struggling to save each child and uh, and the whole travesty of like actually just disposing of children and throwing them in the Nile and like the unnamed people, the heroes, you know, trying to save people and and you know ultimately the savior coming out of one of those saved children. The point, whatever, without getting into it, but I think. The beginning of the story is trying to teach us that belief also, that human life is not negotiable. It mm-hmm. has to be absolutely sacrosanct. If, if people's lives can be, can be you, know, uh, you know, like cheapened to the point where, you know... Expendable. Expendable, so then, you know, there, there is no system. You have no Torah. Mm-hmm. The, whole, the whole Torah is there to... to to lift the level of, of human life um, and uh, the honor of the, of the human being is, is ultimately his ability to believe and his ability to understand the reality of things. If you're not going to treat that human life with, with dignity, so then, you know, what's the point of anything? It, it's, um, it's... I mean, because that, that in itself creates the, the basis and the, the building blocks for everything else. Yes. You can't have a society, and you definitely can't have a society that claims to um, be bringing the, the the goodness of God into the world that, at at its base, doesn't even function. Right. I, I don't think in and of itself will stand. I mean, people, but but certainly, if you have somebody who doesn't deal with people, you know, on a real level, you know, and it's, to him it's an idea that you just don't, you know, fool around with people's lives. Eventually, fool around people's lives. I mean, it's just like he's not. 
What's he doing for people? How is he invested in the relationship between him and others? He's that cold killer who just has no relationship with anyone. He's right. not involved in anyone. He doesn't mm-hmm. invest at all in anybody else. Right. So it's expendable. It's like a piece of paper. It's like, you know, it's just mm-hmm. something that you use for your own utility. Right. It's bringing up like the image of the classic movies where there's like that ruler who's super uninvolved in anything and, you know, preaches the values. But then when push comes to shoves, it's like, well, whatever he feels is more real. So at some point people are important and the kingdom is important. But then the next thing you know kingdoms need money to survive and we have to make tough decisions you know classic scene and then he just sends a whole bunch of people to be killed because the kingdom needs money right it's kind of it's that. A, it's, it gets more complex than that ultimately because there are wars and there are you know but the point is that um i'm saying there are wars sometimes that are justifiable but the, you know ultimately you have to have a different attitude to what what a war is. You're not, you know, wantonly, you know, disposing of human life. There's no, there's no such thing in the Torah. <clears throat> oh, yes, the, the king goes out to war with the people. We're not talking about someone who orders war and then stays safe right. and sound in his palace. Right. So without getting too much off the topic, um, the basic idea we're trying to say is that um, our connection to belief is through our connection to real life it's our, and, and I think one another, another substrata of this idea in, in the story of Pesach is that our connection to belief is through our connection to our people or our peoplehood but certainly our people um, we, we need ways in other words to bridge the gap between the idea the theory and the practice and we need that because the theory will not be real unless it's connected to the practice. And in order to bridge the theory to the practice, you need stepping stones. You need a lot of things in your life that you need to create. And sometimes when you create them, you're not even sure, you're not even 100% sure, you know, you know, your belief isn't so strong, but through the practice the belief becomes more and more of a reality. So, for example, we'll move to a town, we'll make sure there's a synagogue there. You know, how full-heartedly are you, you know, raising the money, putting this together, getting, you know, to be 100% on fire all the time with the belief crystal clear in your mind that what is it you're going to accomplish in the synagogue, right? You don't really have it there. But once it's there, right, and then it becomes a practice and then people use it and then, people connect and then more and more people connect hopefully and then it becomes a thing then it's already it's it's a stepping stone it's in your life that allows you to step on it to make it that theory that you had when you started this project into more of a reality Mm -hmm. so ultimately belief a lot of times when we use the word belief we automatically start thinking that belief has has everything to do with some kind of a uh, a, a, a thought, you know, sort of like a, a cranial exercise, whereas really a belief is something that starts there, but it ends in, in action. In, 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 yeah, in super reality, things that are most concrete and most real to you, and everything in between. Mm-hmm. 
that that's really um, the message that, that I want you know we wanted to talk about today. Um, a lot of times people who don't have this system, this is what makes Judaism I think very different than other religions. We'll talk about faith as being blind faith. Now, the idea of blind faith is you know different explained differently, but I think in this context it's a lot easier to understand. Let's say somebody says to you, you know, believe in me, you know, because I can do miracles. So if you're predisposed to believe in him because, I don't know, you have an issue or you're feeling particularly humble because you've been humbled by life in general or you just need a savior, you need a hero. So need a hero. <laughs> I was just thinking right. that. So you're going to be, you're going to take a blind faith because... Um, the result of your humility of your own independent experience just makes you more predisposed to want to believe something. So you have absolutely no idea if this thing is going to follow through, if it's real. You don't know, but you're just looking for something. Mm-hmm. So that's called blind faith, right? Because it's, it, doesn't, it doesn't bridge those gaps between some theory and some reality. It's just you, you want to jump in, right? Whereas the Torah is saying, look, I'm not trying to sell you la pomada. Like I'm not. I'm not trying to create some kind of belief where you can't believe. Just, just because I'm telling you to. Right. In other words, that question of the bahag that we said, of how could it be a belief if you don't believe? How could believe, it be a commandment? Right. How could it be a commandment? So the Rambamah who actually does believe, who does say that it's a commandment, he says it's true. He he agrees to that premise. And that's why he says the belief in God is not the act of believing, but it's the act of getting to know him. It's the act of, for example, looking into the nature and understanding nature and appreciating nature and appreciating what is in creation. And through that, always knowing that you're trying to appreciate what it is to understand the creator of all of this. So meaning... The the Ramban is not is not Ramban right the Ramban Rambam oh okay sorry as in Maimonides okay fine so the Rambam is um he's what he's basically saying is that the the first commandment that I'm gonna the one who took you out of Egypt is is not the commandment to believe but it is the commandment that one should act on on this one should meaning, one should search one should. The it's search, a... the search to know, is the is the is the compliance is the fulfillment of the mitzvah, of because it leads God. to belief, right? Because it it, it creates belief. Mm-hmm. So acknowledging the fact that you can't just be like you know believe this or or do that, not do that, but right believe this, which is very hard because like you just said before, you can't just be like you know I believe. Right, exactly. Because your predisposition to want to believe is where is not of any interest to us. It's mm-hmm. not a mitzvah. It's like oh, I'm super humble, so I do. Well, well, what are you believing exactly? Mm-hmm. Right, it has to be a full experience. You have to see it, hear it, you know, feel it. And then through the, your experience, then you say, oh, okay, so I see, like, like I'm, I'm coming to an understanding and a feeling that, like, oh, like, now I understand. Like, I'm not, I'm not just, you know, a lot of times people say, like, oh, look at the stars, and, like, you're not there, you know what I'm saying? You, sometimes people need to 
think about it themselves. Like, what is a star and how does the system work? And then like, you get to that moment of like, oh, wow, this is like amazing. <clears throat> Which is, of course, harder and harder to do these days because everybody thinks they know everything. And, you know, been there, seen it, done it, you know, how are you going to get some kid to understand? It's true. It's it's a maturity. It's a maturity of appreciation and, and a lot of other things. But that's also part of the thing that we're trying to do on the Pesach Seder. And if a person, and Pesach in general, and if you don't get yourself into that mindset, will be also that same person who's like, yeah, I've been there, done there, some, you know, what, this is not deepening my appreciation or my belief in anything, really. Mm-hmm. So it comes from, it does it does need a humility in the sense of, Humility to of the the, the you know of, to have the willingness to 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 reappreciate and to 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 relook at things like with a freshness a newness mm-hmm. you know the desire to want has to be there which is ultimately you know again all the themes you know are woven through the seder of Pesach you know you have you know why we always talk about the four sons you know because ultimately these are all people's attitudes towards wanting to believe you know some people are just simple they'll say yeah whatever okay so i believe and what does that have to do with this practice and some other people not you know some people are like i'm not interested i'm just already shut down i've already shut down i'm not i don't i'm totally obtuse to feeling and to wanting and to growing and to like changing i don't want any of that mm-hmm. right and the curiosity, ultimately, of the child that was curious, that's asking, you have to seize on that because that is the key to all these things of growing and changing and knowing and believing. You know, belief is, you know, in the, in the, in the, in the um, Maslow um, triangle? triangle of knowledge, it's yes. a higher form of knowledge, even though it's not really in the Maslow triangle, but, but basically... In, in, you can imagine that you know, first you know, re, you know, memorizing, repeating, understanding, you know, knowing you know, these words. Um, it, it's not like believing is the bottom of the triangle. Believing is the top because belief really makes it that it's the the knowledge is yours, becomes yours. You can repeat it. You can evaluate it. You can to evaluate it. You get a deeper belief, and then when you really, really believe, you can duplicate it. Right, you can synthesize it. You can uh, create you another model. You it. Yeah, you know what I'm saying. You can do the highest things that a person could do with knowledge. So ultimately, like belief becomes real knowledge when it's when it's treated that way. You know, it's like belief is like the super knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> it's uh, so so so. Ultimately, I guess we have to wrap it up. We're trying to say that. The reassessment of our beliefs in Pesach is something that's the the order of the day, and the first step is understanding that um, n- belief is not something that's born out of just sitting and thinking. Um, it certainly needs sitting and thinking, but it also needs to be followed up before and after and during with actual you know investment in whatever those beliefs mean, mm-hmm. right? The Torah re- realizes that, that y- you can't just sit around and think about God or think about the Torah or think about mitzvahs or think about redemption and think about history. Just, you know, 
if it's you want to make it real, you have to carry out to the extent possible what the consequences of your beliefs are. And then when you carry out those beliefs in the real world, so if you believe like human dignity, right? And you believe that there are, there are mitzvahs that have to do with human dignity, right? And, and that we should do chesed to people. So the more you get involved with the real issues of people, and the more you get involved with the sensitivities that we need to show to other people, the more you believe in the necessity of believing that how, of how much help we need, you know, of mm-hmm. how much we can't do, of how much we're subject to some greater power that because we right mm-hmm. ultimately, like I said, like the history of the Jewish people, like it's almost like we've been chosen to believe because look at our history. It's like some Jews say, you know, we you know what's born out of our history is like a sense of humor. Because if you don't have a sense of humor, you might as well just, just for, just like close the book and <laughs> walk away. It's like it's not it's it's unfathomable. Like that we're still around, even though it's like if we're still around after all these years, thousands of years, and we hadn't had any suffering, then what would have been? Maybe we wouldn't be around. First of all, but second of all, what I'm saying is that like the suffering is like a way of a way of me saying. It's the getting, it's the really getting into life in a way that you're totally connected to it and that you need to bring your belief into it. Otherwise, there's just no way. There's no sense to it at all. Mm -hmm. Some people can choose to do that. You know, we have that idea that the Avos, you know, they, they cognizantly believed so strongly that they brought their suffering, so to speak, suffering meaning their struggle, cognizantly into their life. So Avram was promised that the land, you know, was going to be his, right, for the sake of having a place. It's important to have a place in the world where God's presence will be more felt. And he didn't see that happening in his lifetime. So he, his struggle with that was like his goals, you know, that was his exile. Right, and that's why the four hundred years start from the birth of Yitzhak, where he thought like the land would would, you know, would be given to him, and yet there's all this opposition, and it didn't happen. So the the point is that his belief system was being challenged, and he had to, you know, re take you know take stock again into what he really believed, and but live at the same time with that tension of the belief that he so strongly believes in, but still not seeing it fulfilled. Mm-hmm. Right. So, and and then ultimately getting stronger and stronger and God testing him with different things until his belief is so strong that it's like unshakable. Right. So it's it's just bringing it more down. Another, it's it's the creation of the belief, right? You thought is thought is required for belief. Obviously, we need to create that belief and investigate it and question it and come to this belief which then we have to be willing to invest in, practically speaking. We have to do actions and get involved. And when life comes at us and challenges these beliefs, then the constant clinging to the belief is what then strengthens it and allows for it to really become the master belief. Right. There is no way around it. 
Mm-hmm. You know, a, lot, a lot of times people sit back in their armchair, you know, they'd say, and they say they'd rather be armchair believers. Like, no suffering, no getting the hands dirty, no, you know. But like, ideally, this would be nice. Yeah, but it's not real. Mm-hmm. In other words, and, and, and ultimately, those are the people that are willing to transgress their beliefs for whatever's more comfortable. Right. It's just, there's just no way about it. You're not going to have a person who doesn't, who, who, who doesn't live um, the life of the, you know, the reality of bringing the belief into the reality that's going to remain really a believer. They have to somehow do that struggle. Sometimes people can do it in a way that's like, um, for, for us maybe it would be like theoretical, but they're living the struggle, you know what I'm saying? Like Avram Avinu is walking around the land of Israel and he's dealing with the struggle of like, how come he doesn't, in this example... He had other struggles, of course, but to him, he's dealing with the struggle of like the promise, but yet the reality, the promise, yet the reality. So he's trying to create ways where he can bridge that gap anyway, you know, and he's living the land of Israel as if the promise has been fulfilled in one way or another, or he believes that these are steps that are necessary in order for the promise to be fulfilled, etc. He's dealing with it. Mm-hmm. so I guess yeah so ultimately belief is experiential and this is what the Torah is saying you know I'm the God who took you out of Egypt it's not you know it's not I'm the God you know who's this God who once was who created the world because that's not going to work that's not really belief and even if you a person could get inspired but it's certainly not going to last mm. It's like, I'm the one, you remember, like, that whole experience, like, somebody going to you, like, you believe, like, you just went through a whole experience of, like, a couple hundred years, and you're the ones who experienced, like, the exodus, like, you realize that that was me, right? (laughs) You realize, like, they needed a revelation for that, like, that was me. I did that. Mm Mm-hmm. It's a, it's a it's a tall order though for people who didn't actually experience that to really be able to try to make that into a reality right because if we're saying that belief is experiential right it's a fundamental part of belief then the if the seder is everything that we have in order to try to create recreate that experience it's a really tall order bang but now you know why we have all those million things that we do mm-hmm. every time you take the matzah you're supposed to we're, do, we're doing our best without actually going through the experience, really, you know, but, but we're doing our best. We're taking the matzah, we're putting it over our thing. We're, we're not just, if, if, you, if a person's going to go through the act already, you know, because from pre, pre, no, predisposed, you know, uh, a pre, um, predetermined, predetermined, you know, attitude that, uh, he, that he's not really open to change and to grow. Okay, so he's going to go through whatever it's going to go, but... The, the, the things that you're supposed to experience in the Seder are actually brought down to earth in a way that you don't have any other practice in Judaism that's brought that way with so many didactic um, um, experiences going on at the Seder. Mm-hmm. It's like a classroom. It's like we're trying to get the kids into the same thing. You pick up the matzah, you put up, you take the cup, you pour the cup, you, you hold the cup, you schlep, you pour the wine out. You talk about it, you, you lean over, you eat the maror, you know, you, 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 have, you have physical, um, experiential moments where if, if you're into it, it can really help you. 
Right. But you have to you have to have that predisposition to want it to actually do something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which in and of itself for us is hard because a person says, "Well, if I really wanted to re-experience something that happened in our history, I wouldn't do it this way. I would, you know, walk up, uh, you know, go into the desert." Okay, thank you. <laughs> it doesn't that doesn't help. Point is, this is what there is. This is the best that we have. D- now you can live it. You, it's up to you. You can relive it. You can do your best to relive it. Mm-hmm. And, when you, and when you relive it, you have to just keep focusing on like, do I really believe what I believe? That's what you're trying to say. Do I really believe that we went out of Mitzrayim? Do I really believe that the Jewish people was chosen to be a nation that was going to be redeemed by God? And you can fill in the blanks after that. Mm-hmm. Right. So bringing it, bringing it down to the very, very practical, because that's really what we're trying to do. I think more than introducing the idea, what we're trying to do here is also really prepare ourselves for the Seder. So we're saying before the Seder, you, you really ask yourself, what do you believe in? Do I really believe that God took us out of Egypt? Do I really believe that... Um, he, he, he was protecting us in the desert. Do I really believe that God commanded me all these things and therefore I do them? And then when you are at the Seder where we're, where we're being given this gift of experien- experiential um, experience, or I guess just giving being given this opportunity to experience to the best that we can um, what it must have been like and everything to, to make the belief the forefront of the experience. When we when we do things this Seder to not do them by road and not do them because like oh I remember when I was a kid like we used to like this is where we eat the matzah woohoo yeah but there, to there, really it's it's a travesty when you see I mean I don't want to say I don't want to pronounce you know, travesty it's a bit hard word but we're missing a huge opportunity every time we trivialize the whole thing you know it's like oh you know oh, the matzah's good it's not good it's crunchy it's not crunchy what is in the world <laughs> like let's get real people who in the world would eat matzah if not we're doing it for some real reason like why are we doing this thing it's like normally if you learn something let's say you learn um tzedakah is an important thing and you learn all the laws of tzedakah right and charity this and charity that's so important when when do you ever have the opportunity? Imagine if you, every time you learn something, somebody, the charity dude, you know, the poor person would be knocking on the door. I mean, imagine if you can make experiential everything that you learn. That's what they're trying to do at the Seder, which is, a, which is a, like an opportunity that you don't have, generally speaking. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to speak about this and this experience and that experience and then the, 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 the makot and then you hit them. You pour the wine, you schlep it, you pick it up, you sit down, you feel the pain then you feel the you know you know what i'm saying they they uh, our our tradition the rabbis and the, and the people that were really really invested in this were saying this is the way to live judaism it's compact into like one night but but this is the beginning of understanding what it means to believe and ultimately, the beginning of belief of the Jewish people it, to the level that they were able to believe only came through the same type of experience because they were going through the same thing. Not only the slavery, but the whole process of going out, the making the matzah, the thing, and then preparing the Pesach, and then painting the doors, and then staying in the home, and then coming out. And it was like, it wasn't like, uh, all right, guys, look, uh, everybody chill out, you know. 
Just make sure you have your bags here at 12 in the, you know, in the afternoon. Bus leaves at 3. Right, bus leaves. We'll be leaving. You know, everybody have their headphones. You know, make sure it's going to be a long ride. You know, you know, totally not, you know, there. Mm-hmm. It's like totally there because what's behind the, the experience is like, this is real. Moshe has been saying it for many, many years, but like now you're connecting the belief system to the reality. Mm-hmm. Right. So there it is. It's concretize the belief and then constantly hold that belief as you bring it into action and as you experience and as you do and as you right. eat and as you lean and as you read to really, really make that the expression of your belief. Right. Now, ultimately, this is really what we do when we do any mitzvah. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, there's a formulation that, wherever it comes from, the Kabbalah, but it's, it's it's a formulation to make us in the zone when you do a mitzvah. Like, here I am doing this action because I believe that God commanded me to do this thing. Mm-hmm. You know. Well, okay. <laughs> but, uh, the, again, this is the, the restart. We're pressing the restart button, and we're trying to feel things that are much more than just a particular activity. It's like, it's a whole belief system where we're trying to re-entrench. So to sum this up, what would you say the one word, one word to sum it up would be? Sum up whatever we've been talking about? Mm -hmm. What would be your finalizing word? Well, that amuna is experiential. Just like the word amuna really is another word for relationship. Relationships are experiential. You can't have a relationship that's not experiential. The truth of relationship is experiential. And experiential starts from the most, you know, esoteric to the most practical. Mm-hmm. Solid. Well. Whoa. 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 Thank you very much, everybody. Have a lovely Pesach. We hope this was helpful. Feel free to send us your feedback. Um, our hmm. email is in the hmm. description. Feedback. Okay. Um, but yeah. Goodbye. Peace out. Okay, bye.